Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Godzilla vs. Kong smashes the box office. It's time to take a trip to Madripoor. And what's the deal with Outriders? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. It's Josh himself from Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His awesome podcast that he has now available. That's the Super BS Gamescast and Topicocalypse. Got to get his awesome book today as well. That is Congratulations, You Suck. Now available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What is up? I know you're caught up on the Snyder Cut, all 15 hours of it. All 15 hours. Only took me two and a half weeks to do it. There you go, my friend. Well, we're going to have a great show today. We've got awesome guests coming up. Noe and Fine is going to be talking Godzilla versus Kong, and we're going to be talking then about how much it has dominated the box office because it is the biggest North American hit for the pandemic at this point in time. So we're going to talk about that coming up here. He has some thoughts on the movie itself because he had a chance to watch it. If you want to hear my thoughts on it, check out the Friday show, the PC Multiverse, where I went into depth on my thoughts. Plus, we also have John Orlando, who has his thoughts on the underrated wrestlers of the WWE in part two of our WrestleMania preview. So that's coming up on the back half of the show. We're also going to be talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier, episode three, as best I can. And what's the deal with Outriders? We're going to be talking about Square Enix's game that is getting a little bit off to a bumpy start, but it's having a higher profile than normal. And we'll explain why on the back half of the show as well. But first, my friend, it is the Suicide Squad. There's been not one, but two trailers, almost released back to back, that have already debuted. It is coming up later this year to HBO Max. And... It's going to, I think, wash away a lot of those bad feelings everybody has, like you and I, over the original Suicide Squad movie because of how bad that movie was. And boy, that movie was bad. 
But I want to hear your thoughts on so far your impressions of James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I watched both trailers today back to back. I'm going to watch it. I feel like it's more aware of itself and it's more like, I guess, from what I understand about David Ayer's cut, you know, he wanted to be more in line with the Snyderverse, like a little bit darker, but he also wanted like to show just how messed up a lot of these characters are and like how there's no line that they won't cross. And it seems like James Gunn was able to do that with his version of Suicide Squad. And uh, I don't know, like I just seeing the opening of the trailer, right? We see Idris Elba and John Cena and everyone. They're trying to rescue Harley Quinn and then she shows up. It seems really quirky. And yes. uh, that's something that like the the last Suicide Squad movie, again, I don't know what David Ayer's cut looked like, but it felt very stale and very forced. And I don't know if that was from studio interference or what was happening, but this seems to flow a little better just from looking at the trailers. What What did you think of them? Well, it, to me, it's a huge step up, absolutely huge step up from what I'm seeing. You said it was darker as far as the first two trailers are concerned. I thought it was a much brighter, a much lighter tones. Uh, it just seemed to me much more out there than the dark tones of the previous Suicide Squad. Because to me, I thought that was pretty dark the way it was before, because that was right in the middle of BBS and yeah. Man of Steel and those how dark those movies were i mean the grays the dark tinges i, I felt the the zack snyder influence on the david Ayer's theatrical cut I, I saw the imprint that the dc universe had about the darkness yeah. and the gray at that time even the original wonder woman was to a point washed over and, and very dark and gray mm -hmm. even though it was the best of all those movies at that time i want to say that I'm so much more intrigued by this film because the quirky characters that are available. Sylvester Stallone playing the shark character, and, and that is just truly—he's gonna—he's gonna steal every scene that he's in. I'm gonna tell yeah, you right now. I yeah. love when he like becomes aware of his hands. <laughs> his hands, you know, like you said, just oh, oh hands, oh, and then he eats the guy. You know, basically just chomps him up like he's nothing, and mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's. It's not taking itself seriously. Yeah. And that's what I really like about this. I mean, the Suicide Squad was, were these, in the original uh, David Ayer's cut, they were these quirky bunch of characters, but they were in such a, they were dropped into this serious platform, which if you look at it, you couldn't really take seriously. And of course, the villain, Cara Delevingne, who's normally a good actress, unfortunately uh, was given a very bad choice of roles. And it just, you know, the, the villain part of it just really was, something that was left to be desired on that but i'm liking what i'm seeing now and you know they're i guess they're good go to a foreign country and they're trying to battle i don't know they're trying to battle a dictator or they're trying to work with troops and it's kind of vague what they're doing there but in the middle of this action is a new monster i was not aware of and this goes back to a real comic book find in starro a huge huge starfish mm -hmm. that has the ability to throw out smaller starfish and control minds so i want to hear your thoughts on starro being the big villain or possibly the big villain in suicide squad yeah it's kind of funny because you hear the guy go oh they got a kaiju and you know you don't really see much of what the starfish looks like you just kind of see a couple arms and legs it goes well with the tone of the movie. And sorry, when I said dark earlier, I meant like dark comedically. Like it has oh, okay. like it's a very dark comedy. It looks great. You know, like I don't know much about this starfish villain, but 
you know, I am curious like how they're going to beat it. You know, you can just kind of see like they were all dumbfounded. Like you have these these characters who are slightly out of their minds, and of course they would be paired up with a villain that doesn't really make sense to anybody. And it's gonna be interesting and I don't know, it'll be a fun ride to see like how they deal with this. And just from what I've seen of Idris Elba in the trailers, like I am astounded at how well such a serious actor is able to fit in with a bunch of people that don't take themselves very seriously he's one of the best out there he's such a versatile actor Mm -hmm. i do want to go ahead and make mention of something that a guest that we had on the show liz Priestley, tremendous actress she has her movie with idris elba that just dropped on netflix concrete cowboys that just dropped on netflix please go give that a watch if you can, Concrete Cowboys, give that a watch. I'm going to be giving that also a watch this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. But yes, Liz Priestley, who stopped by the show, if you can go ahead and support her, that would be greatly appreciated. But yes, with Idris Elba, just truly a tremendous actor. I, I'm hoping he'll be the next James Bond. I mean, we're still one of our top picks there. Yeah. I mean, it's something that he's so versatile. The starring roles that he's had yeah. have not done well enough. But the supporting characters he's had have done really well. He's just missing that one role, that one role that could put him over the top as one of the premier box office stars that's out there. Yeah. And this may do the trick. Yeah. I mean, let's let's hope. I mean, he's a very versatile actor, as we've seen. And it's apparent in the way that he's able to be in something serious and dark like the dark tower or he's in something like thor where he's like playing a serious character that can joke you know in this he's he's just like he's the cool guy and every time someone like does something dumb he's the the kind of character that would just like roll his eyes and just go about his business trying to make the best of a bad situation and he's yes i do hope that this is something that like shows people just how great of an actor he is and like you said yeah i'd love to see him in the role of james bond i'd love to see him you know starring in something that really gives him the recognition that he deserves john cena looks like it's going to be a great performance for him because of the peacemaker role that he has and the mm-hmm. kind of doofus that he portrays on the yeah. screen yeah but his, i'm looking forward to his series i, I mean it, of the, all the dc stuff that's coming up i know that we've talked about constantine Whenever that gets put on screen, then, of course, Batman Year One, that that show that's coming out as well. But Peacemaker as a TV series on HBO Max, I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and this is going to be an exciting introduction to the character. Like you can see where James Gunn really shaped him to be like Drax the Destroyer in Gardens of the Galaxy, just in like his mannerisms and the way he talks. And, you know, that scene where he goes. I love peace so much that I'm willing to kill anyone and destroy anything to achieve it. And like, you just see the other people like staring at him like he's crazy. Yes. That's so funny. And then you've got Margot Robbie, which, you know, she's been a lot of movies already with that role of Harley Quinn. So people are like, okay, she's in another turn as Harley Quinn, but this could be a a nice refresher for her because already I'm, I've heard some great lines from her as that was given. So I'm, I'm excited to see what she can do now after birds of prey didn't get over, I think to an audience at worldwide, as well as DC was hoping it would be. And then you have the whole cast and characters that comprise up the, the suicide squad with 
Pete Davidson, mm -hmm. Nathan Fillion, who was rumored to be playing a character that's detachable, that has detachable uh, limbs. Yeah, like you that. saw yeah. him in one of the trailers. I don't know. I don't know if it's the red band or the regular one, but you see like just a floating pair of arms and a torso. So I imagine yeah. that's probably him. I'm hoping the big villain will not be Amanda Waller again. I know that's something that they went down that road before with the Suicide Squad. I'm hoping she'll be more of a liaison and hopefully she'll be able to help guide these these individuals there. But I know a lot of people are speculating that she's going to be the big baddie again and that she's the ultimate big baddie of the Suicide Squad. But I'm hoping that she'll give me a more chance to do something more than just be the orchestrator behind all of this. I am too. She's a very stale character and like and she's kind of like that in the comic books, but they don't like humanize her at all. She's just kind of like a robot and I think that's why she kind of annoys me on screen. Like if if they showed some depth of humanity to her, like some kind of character development or some kind of like close close call that makes her like kind of reflect on what who she is and what she's doing. Cuz she like, had it in the original Suicide Squad movie, but it it didn't change a thing. Yeah. Again, it's the Suicide Squad. We're looking forward to it right now. The first two trailers have been released. You can catch the links on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. I'm looking forward to it. Josh is looking forward to it. If you have thoughts on the Suicide Squad, please let us know. Are you excited for James Gunn's new venture into the Suicide Squad and what it will bring to audiences? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, my friend, and right after that, Noah Ian Fine coming up with Godzilla vs. Kong, and then after that, John Orlando on the most underrated wrestlers of the WWE. I want to hear your thoughts real quick on Falcon and Winter Soldier. You saw in the trailers that they were going to take a trip at some point in time in Madripoor, yeah. and that does come in Episode 3. I will tell you that. But Madripoor has been something that has been greatly detailed in the comic books as this place of cutthroatness and villainy and things of that nature. What are your impressions of Madripoor as you've been reading it through the eyes of the, of the comic books? It reminds me, and you live in Las Vegas, so this is probably a good example, back when Vegas was run by the mob. Do you remember that? Sin City, yeah. Yeah, like it was no... Some people say it still is. And it might be, but it's just it's not as apparent as it once was. It's more corporation. Yeah, because like you don't see people like breaking kneecaps for cheating anymore. You know, you don't see it. At least we don't see it on the surface. But that's what this reminds me of. You know, it reminds me of the days when like it wasn't so corporate, right? It was people and entities running things and people knew who was in charge, right? The the police and the law enforcement might give this illusion of like having control, but they weren't in control and everyone knew who was and so like this is an interesting setting to introduce into this universe because it also has ties to the x-men and how far they push those ties we'll have to wait and see but i am excited to kind of get in there and piece things together myself i will tell you right now my friend you won't be disappointed but i'm going to be delving into it a little bit more right after the break with noah ian fine we'll talk godzilla versus kong and also falcon and winter soldier episode three but my friend once you catch up with me please i want to hear your thoughts on falcon and the winter soldier as soon as you're able to catch up with me looking forward to hearing your thoughts on how it's developed how all the characters are interacting with each other believe me i don't want to go ahead in the spoilers for you but again i will be going into detail more with it with knowing and fine right after the break but i'm looking forward to speaking with you about falcon and the winter soldier 
Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm crazy excited to talk about it. I do also want to give you my thoughts on the complete Snyder Cut at some point. So we'll have to do that as well. Let's do it next week, man. Let's set that up. Next week, we'll talk about the Snyder Cut. And we'll also talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Hopefully you've caught up by then. But we want to hear your thoughts on Falcon and Winter Soldier. How's it going for you through episode three? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up after the break, like I said, knowing and fine on the box office champ right now, Godzilla versus Kong, and also Falcon and Winter Soldier episode three. That's coming up right after the break. And then after that, John Orlando has his thoughts on the underrated wrestlers of the WWE and part two of our WrestleMania preview. That's coming up after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to thank you so much for watching and listening out there. One of the things that is dominating pop culture right now with the vengeance as it knocks over buildings and destroys everything in its way, at least the box office is concerned, is Godzilla vs. Kong, which is taking the world by storm as is the biggest hit for the U.S. and many other places so far in the coronavirus era, meaning at least since the early 2020. And here today to talk about his feelings on Godzilla vs. Kong, plus episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a good man indeed. You got to check out what he's doing today on his awesome groups, Honey Queen and the Honey Outcasts on Facebook. It is Noah and Fine. Noah, always great to have you back on the program. You wanted to go ahead and share some thoughts on Godzilla vs. Kong. I did already on the Friday show, and yeah is there made no sense highly unbelievable but at least the fights were good here's the thing what i enjoyed about the 1963 version of godzilla versus kong was the fact that never really cared too much about the humans but these humans kind of make sense there was never one side of humans that were taking godzilla's side and one that were taking kong's side i'm not too sure what the point is because with this legendary version of Godzilla, we, we weren't too sure what side he was on or why he was here. He just shows up and he's fighting Titans and he's just destroying things and that's okay. I mean, it's a Godzilla movie after all. But say what you will about people in rubber suits. The earlier Toho films had a point of why Godzilla was created and what he was doing to fight other monsters and defend the Earth and defend the Japanese. You bring King Kong in because apparently he was popular in Japan, bigger than I thought he would be. And yeah, it was an interesting movie, and I watched it right now, and I watch it tomorrow, and I'll watch it for a very long time. But both the 63 version and this 2021 version have rewatchability, but what are the cons to Godzilla versus Kong? Well, again... I don't care about Millie Bobby Brown's character in this film. If well, you don't care th- about any of the characters in this film. Well, that's the thing, though, because if Millie Bobby Brown, the, that podcaster, conspiracy theorist, 
and Fire Fist were like the three stooges, it would be a little bit more interesting. The Kong Whisperer and the Deaf Girl, I mean, again, out of all the Skull Islanders, the ones from Kong Skull Island were the best. And they were the most interesting. Because they really were not saying a whole lot, but yes, I agree with you on that. But the problem is because it's still supposed to be a family-friendly film, the punches I don't really, I mean, yeah, Kong had a great left hook. Yes. Uh, there was biting, yes. Uh, the wind got knocked out of both of them at from time to time. But even when I read the Wikipedia thing, apparently Kong was dying from a broken heart. You're being so kind, my friend, but Godzilla yeah. kicked his butt. Kicked his butt no, several no, times. Kong no, only I'm, got a measure of victory only when he teamed up with Godzilla at the end versus Mechazilla. Yeah, and that's the thing too because they didn't want to give it away, but they still have to sell toys because they don't want to do what they did with '98 Godzilla. So yeah, and, and people knew that. Well, they want to sell more movies too. Godzilla and Kong—they're not going to kill off either one of them because they want to do more movies for both. Well, well, what I'm I'm hearing two different things about this though. I'm hearing that Toho is taking back the rights and they're going to be making their own Godzilla movies again. Uh, and, and that this that's the reason why there was an end credit scene because apparently the contract between Warner Brothers and Toho is gone and it's supposed to be the last one in the supposedly Monsterverse series. So if it is ranking them, it would be Skull Island, Kong versus Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and way at the bottom would be 14. You know that. But it, it, it felt like I was – every time the humans came up, I felt like I was on the queue going on a Universal Studios ride. And when I saw them fight, I felt I was on an attraction at Universal Studios. Stay it, tuned, my friend, because that, that soon may happen. Yeah, I mean there there is one. There is a Kong ride, and Skull Island is gar- garbage, believe me. I, I kind of miss the old Kong formation of the one they had in, in uh, California. But your but, overall thoughts on the film? I mean, I mean, how how did it? Fully my overall thoughts. Yeah, it's rewatchable, but I mean, again, I wish more and more of the humans would just stay out of the picture. There, there has to even Adam Wingard said that. I'm sure there's a way you could do it, like Disney Fantasia, where you just, or even a Disney mockumentary, where you just show, you know the Titans and, and, and their daily lives and fight or something, anything. But be, beyond that, no, my overall thoughts, these are just giant monster movies that, so I, I don't need any deep thought. but man, oh man, the writing for these characters were terrible. Let's just close it off at this then. The characters are very shallow. I mean, there's an evil corporation that's very laughable. The whole thing centered around as far as a new home for Kong in the middle of the earth and that was ridiculous. Uh, you know, it just the whole thing and premises that are behind each and every part of the non fight aspect were absolutely just ridiculous and a waste of time. Yeah, I agree with you. This was definitely, it seemed more like I was watching the queue for Universal's Island of Adventure attraction. That, that was pretty much it. It's rewatchable, and I'll definitely add it to my collection. It's going to make its money, but that's really not saying much. It's like a video game that you just want to go ahead and pass through the cutscenes because they're really yeah. bad. But yeah. I'll tell you what, there's still more to talk about that's a lot better than what you and I think because I don't think it's rewatchable for me. I watched it, left my brain at the door, and I checked on out, watched it for two hours, and said, okay, I'm done with it. I move on with my life. 
won't ever have to see it again. I don't have any desire to. But there is something I do have a desire to see again that is rewatchable, and that's Falcon and Winter Soldier. And thank you so much for the thumbs up, Rob. Appreciate it as always. But that is Falcon and Winter Soldier. Episode three took us on an adventure to Madripoor. So I want to hear your thoughts on the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Well, let me answer your question with a question right now, because this is definitely different than WandaVision. What are your thoughts on the relationship between Bucky and Falcon? Love it. Absolutely love it. They have a dynamic that has a great influence from the late 80s, early 90s lethal weapons movies and buddy comedies from that era. They've remarked that in interviews repeatedly and it shows, and that is for me, the highlight of this whole dynamic is their relationship. Yes. Obviously going ahead and interacting with Baron Zemo is a great thing. And obviously bringing him out and now they're on an adventure together to find out exactly the origins of the super serum is how it was made and how it was developed and who has control of it right now. The, venture into Madripoor, which is a villainous wasteland or an island, actually a, vi a villainous country right now that, that a lot of people are there for cutthroats and, you know, thieves and just, it's basically a, a dangerous place to go to, but it has origins in the X-Men universe. So a lot of people are looking forward to that tie in there. I like that aspect of it, but for me, the dynamic is Falcon and Winter Soldier and I've not been disappointed. So, and let me ask you this, because I haven't been on there for episodes one and two, but as we go into three, do you think that the U.S. agent, as a lot of people call him, uh, do you think that he's getting a little bit more interesting or do you think he's just getting a lot of flack because of all the memes? He is becoming darker with each and every episode, even though he was only in for just a couple minutes on this week's episode. The moments that he was in where the, the person that he was interrogating spit in his face and he wanted to go ahead and punch this guy out barely restrained himself you're seeing the darker side of u.s agent and this is something that's ultimately going to lead into something when we see thunderbolt ross with the thunderbolts coming up at some point in time in the near future because you've got baron zemo now out and about because he's been sprung out of prison by falcon and the winter soldier and then you have like i said u.s agent running around most likely he's going to get his hands on one of the 12 vials of super soldier serum that's left so I have a feeling at some point where he's going to go ahead and, and become a super soldier. We'll wait and see. But the power broker, we still don't know the identity of as yet, but we did get to see Sharon Carter and her in exile right now that and how she was exiled as, you know, after what she did to help Captain America in Civil War. So, yeah, uh, this is all very intriguing to me. This is what I was really hoping to see on a week to week basis. The up and down measure of WandaVision. I mean, I really liked the episodes or I really didn't like the episodes of WandaVision, but I'm telling you right now, for me, it's been a straight lot of fun from what I'm seeing for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I've had a great time. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm glad that she's back, which is great. I'm glad Zemo is back. I don't know where they're going if they're trying to find a way to open up X-Men because they keep trying to push Fantastic Four to come back and X-Men to come back. And I still say take time, breathe, because these are only going to be six episodes. So I don't know if we're going to get a Bucky and Falcon movie. I, well, I think like, we'll get a season two. We will get uh, a most likely a season two. Yeah, but I, I can see them on the big screen. I would pay to see them. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I would pay to see a Bucky and Falcon movie. I mean, it's definitely, as you said, this definitely their chemistry definitely feels like something out of an 80s or 90s TV it's series. Fun. 
it's yeah. enjoyable. I know the WandaVision was made differently and structured differently, and sometimes it really clicked, and there were some really good episodes of WandaVision. But other times it was just, you're not sure what was going on. There was a lot of red herrings that were thrown at us that were never developed, which kind of irritated fans. Just a, an adventure that we're most familiar with within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's what I like about it the most. Well, I think this is the one that, that people were, were salivating for to begin with, because now we finally get all the questions that we wanted answered, like, where happened to this character? and Why did this character go away? Weren't they in Endgame? That's what I'm enjoying about them making these TV shows, because now all the characters that we couldn't put in the movies, it's being explained on this pocket of the MCU. So right now we're giving a big thumbs up to Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I said on the Friday show, I was about five and a half out of 10 on Godzilla versus Kong. What would you give Godzilla versus Kong before we head on out? I'm a sucker for these movies. I would give it an eight out of 10. But again, again, that's because I didn't go in with high expectations. I I, I mean, we we discussed this. I mean, this isn't endgame. This isn't going to be a big blockbuster. These are just two CGI characters fighting. And I, I don't know what people were really expecting other than the fact that the dialogue for the humans has always been a hit or a miss. And in the legendary series, it's been a miss with the exception of Skull Island, and that really isn't saying much. I would even almost give King of the Monsters a pass, but that's being generous. That's me you know, on a rainy afternoon day, they're, they're watchable. I'm glad you think that, my friend. I'm glad you found enjoyment in it because it's always great to see when my fellow hosts and co-hosts and guests do find enjoyment of something that I may have not been the greatest or highest on. But again, I'm, I'm certainly glad that you found enjoyment and will continue to find enjoyment from the Godzilla vs. Kong universe. I don't think they're done. You don't make this kind of cash right now. And being the biggest hit, as far as the U.S. is concerned, since this time last year, probably closing in on 14, 15 months, it's the biggest movie of that period of time. Because it opened up close to $50 million here in the U.S. over the first five days. So it's good to see the box office coming back to somewhat normalcy on that. I mean, as far as the way that things are going now with, I know, limited number of seatings. Well, my friend, it's been great having you on the show. As always, looking forward to seeing your thoughts coming up on Anything going on in pop culture, you know, we've got WrestleMania coming up next weekend. We've got more great stuff on the way. We've got more episodes of Falcon Winter Soldier. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on any one of those subjects. Anytime you want to stop by right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are, and you gotta check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. It's around that time of the year again, as we get into the prep for WrestleMania, because it is coming right around the corner, and I know a lot of us wrestling fans out there are looking forward to it, with the current state of the world wrestling entertainment, and it's kind of in flux between going from the WWE Network where it was at to where it will be with Peacock coming up here in a couple weeks. In fact, probably as you watch this, if you're a WWE Network owner, you already know you have to go to Peacock. So with all that in mind, 
and the opportunities that could potentially be there if it was marketed right, if it was WWE was structured right, but it isn't. The WWE is still stuck in many of its ways, unfortunately, that it was back in the glory days of the 80s and 90s. And here today to talk about some of those underutilized, underappreciated talents of the world wrestling entertainment is a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out the PVD cast. It is John Orlando. And John, great to have you part of the program once again. Gerald, thank you for having me come back on. I really appreciated the invite to come on and talk about underutilized, underappreciated individuals that are on the talent roster. Uh, well, I hold on, hold on. I asked you a long time ago, and then I went on my business, and I said, you can come back anytime, red carpet there for you. You hit me up, and you said, you know what? It's been bothering me. It's been gnawing at me. I want to go ahead, and I want to talk about it with you right now. So I said, okay, let's go ahead and do it, because I, I know you and I will both have wrestlers. Oh, I'm sorry sports entertainers as they're calling it now these days that we don't see being moved up as well as we would like correct yes correct i think that that's been a uh, a complaint by many wrestling fans for quite a while with the wwe is how come this person isn't utilized better or that person is getting a push and doesn't deserve it and i think it's going to add some liveliness to this episode gerald i'm going to be honest i think you're going to have some controversy maybe on your hands uh, we always have controversy on this show, but hopefully it's for the best. Uh, I mean, what was it, Eric Bischoff that once said, controversy sells? I think that was probably one of his better quotes that's out there. I mean, controversy does sell, indeed, as far as the fans' opinions to back and forth. I see a certain sports entertainer in some light that you may not, and vice versa. But you wanted to come back. I'm so glad to have you back on. So please, you've got the floor right now. I want to hear some of the wrestlers that you think are underappreciated and need a bigger push towards the top. Well, as I sat down and, and thought about this list, and it was it was long, and let's be honest, there's probably going to be some people like, and, and by no disrespect, I'm just naming some folks like Drew Gulak. I know many people say, well, that guy deserves to have a push. And, and Tozawa and, you know, R-Truth. Yes, they deserve a push. But when I was looking at this list, I was looking at people that really, if pushed correctly, would make a huge impact. Yeah. Okay. My very first selection on this list is a team that is no longer in the WWE. As of about roughly eight months ago, I think they totally dropped the ball with this team. And I'm talking about the Revival, now known as FTR. Yeah. Uh, Dash and Dawson were a phenomenal tag team. And I get tired of people saying, well, the WWE is not a tag team promotion. I disagree with that. I think in the late 70s, they had a very robust tag team division. You had the Executioners. You had the Blackjacks. You had Gurria and Martel. You had the Wild Samoans. You had some great tag teams. Granted, they weren't the feature of the promotion, but they had great tag teams. Then there was a lull. Then in the mid-80s, you had the British Bulldogs and the Heart Foundation and the Killer Bees, and you had great tag teams. And then again, we had this lull. I think had they pushed them, had they used them correctly, the Revival could have ushered in, again, another great era of tag team wrestling in the WWE. And, and let's be honest, from about 2000, 2001 till still today, tag team division's not been good in the WWE. No, that's that's true. I mean, it's it's all over the place. 
again, for me, it comes down to making it more important. I think when it comes down to it, the women's division is a lot stronger. I know a lot of people have said that, oh, the women's divisions aren't very strong. I disagree. I think the women's divisions are strong. But the one thing that gets me, uh, I guess, intrigued is it's not necessarily the team, but the concept, the fact that the women's tag team champions, they go to NXT. They go to Raw. They go to SmackDown because there's only one women's world tag team championships. So yeah, there was the women's N- NXT champions, but there's really only one women's tag team championships out there. I think the fact that you've diluted the men's to a Raw and a SmackDown, I think that's part of your issue. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not special. To me, I think that's an issue, again, that you, we talked about before, and I don't want to go again into any more you know, ad nauseum because, again, this could be something you and I go in all day. But I think it also creates a lot of these underrated talents that you could build up if there was a special prize, if there was something that a lot of people would be fighting over, per se, that's truly rewarding and truly looked upon by the fans as saying, you know what, that's a big deal. Unfortunately, winning the tag team titles are not a big deal. That's why the tag team titles, or any tag teams for that matter, uh, I mean, outside of the New Day, are really getting of any importance at this point in time. True. And you know what? You mentioned one of the people that's on my list when you mentioned the women's tag team champions. I feel like Shayna Baszler has been a missed opportunity as well. I mean, think about that uh, performance that she had at the uh, Hell in a Cell where she decimated the the women in that competition and i thought okay here we go we're gonna have this walking bad woman that will take no prisoners he's got the mma background gerald she's just gonna run rough shot and they haven't done anything and i'm not impressed with her tag team with nia Jax. i don't like that storyline of oh it's the tag partners that can't get along we've seen it a million times sadly in the wwe i feel we see it almost more than any other promotion I think that they dropped the ball with Baszler as well. Well, I mean, she is an outstanding talent. I think charisma, I think, is her one drawback. I think she just doesn't inspire a lot of fans unless you're really into her background as an MMA artist. I mean, she provides that tough type of individual. I mean, because she does, like you said, have the MMA background. I just think that as a team, they could be a dominant force for some time to come. I think you should keep them strong. For good like you said i'm not into the or they're already breaking up type of deal i know they came under the auspices anyways of where they were opponents basically not liking each other to force the team up well again if you put it on the surface there is no other team that comes close to them as far as toughness in the ring i mean the fact that you could have them dominate the tag team division for women's wrestling for years please. i mean if you don't think that shannon baser is got that click charisma out there then you know what? Keep her in a tag team with Nia Jackson, have them dominate. I mean, that's how you build a name for both of them so that when you finally do break them up, maybe a year or two down the line, they can become legitimate world title mm-hmm. champions, especially Baszler, who I think needs the the help simply from the charisma standpoint because she's not – if you watch her YouTube channel, she's much more personable there than she is in the WWE. I mean, that's, I think, a byproduct of their strict and rigid – Know, storytelling and script writing at WWE. I think that's a another issue altogether, which would take me another day and a half to talk. <laughs> well, in here, you know, I agree with you 100% about keeping them together, making them dominant. But if you want to get around the fact that Shayna doesn't have a, a great charisma, if you will, here's a way to fix that. Find a manager. And I yeah. feel like this person that's on my list is a manager that 
everyone is sleeping on. And I'm talking about Malcolm Bivens in NXT. That guy is awesome. I've said it for years. I remember seeing him way back in Chikara. He was hilarious. He's got not only the comedy, Daryl, but he's got like that, that weaseliness, you know, like a Bobby Heenan, like a Jimmy Hart, but he's got the comedy. And he's had some run-ins in NXT with Shayna Baszler. So that could, you work some storyline where he has to manage her. She hates him, but he's still the manager. She's winning. She doesn't want to leave him, but she can't stand him. Like that would bring some levity to the WWE programming. And that guy's great. That dude, he's got the gift of gab. You have these champions such as uh, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, Asuka, and Sasha Banks losing almost every other week <sighs> in non-title matches and things of that nature. It totally devalues them. I mean, that's something on my list is Asuka. I mean, just because of the fact you've given her one of the most underwhelming title runs in recent memory, just because of the fact you've tried to go ahead and do everything to undermine her as a champion and undermine her greatness. I mean, this is the individual who went three years in NXT undefeated. Then you Mm -hmm. go out of your way to go ahead and beat her every single other week. That's ridiculous to me, but I think your choices are outstanding. I would even say Corey Graves needs to get out behind the commentator booth and start being a mouthpiece for some of these wrestlers because I think he would do an outstanding job. I think he needs to be someone that you see more than just 10 seconds of right there at the desk and whatnot. You need to see him a lot more. Maybe not as a wrestler because I know his wrestling days were probably behind him for reasons, injuries, things of that nature. But, you know, you need to see him out in front of center because he could be a personality that could rise up a talent such as, like you said, Shayna Baszler, just like a Malcolm Bivens could. But even if you can't take Malcolm Bivens seriously or not, yes or not, I know that's an absolute question because he does have provide a lot of comedy. Corey Graves is a mouthpiece to someone Shayna Baszler, I think could probably do her good so well. Uh, Corbin, that would be a perfect match. Yeah. Baron Corbin with Corey Graves would be a perfect Yeah, get match. him out of the ring, please. Get him out of the ring. Yeah, anything we <laughs> could do to get him out of the ring and be a mouthpiece, that would be, I would welcome that because, yeah, his act is done. But who else do you have on your list, my friend? Well, I have one that I feel that he hasn't really reached the full potential, and I feel like he's got the resume to do so. I know now he's a commentator due to injury, but I think Samoa Joe has not received the run that he deserves in the WWE. Oh, he never um, has. Absolutely. No. Part, part of it's because of his own doing, because of injuries. Part of it's because of circumstances and WWE storytelling. I mean, yeah. he, he, right, he was a monster when he came in and had a huge name coming from NXT and obviously the independent scene with Impact and the whole nine yards. But he's someone who should have come in and should have been the future for the company. And unfortunately, he will never be. I don't think ever. I agree with you. I think the window's closing very, yeah. very quickly on Samoa Joe. That's a shame. The last person that I had on my list, I'm sure many people will agree with me, is a man that you could have built an amazing feud around, and that is Ricochet. Oh, my gosh. You you took mine away from me. No, I'm going to end this interview. You took my only one from me. You took the only one from me away. All right. I'm sorry, Gerald. Okay, go ahead, my friend. Go ahead. Think about how he could have been the big cruiserweight. He could have come in. He could have had a rivalry with Rey Mysterio. And go six or seven matches. And like, I'm thinking best of seven. Ricochet wins in the seventh, you know, in the seventh match. Ray gives him that moniker. You're the new cruiserweight. And you could even do something with Dominic, where Dominic would be mad and be like, well, I, I'm going to take you on now, Ricochet, and show you I'm the rightful heir. You had so much to go with. You could have built a really good cruiserweight division around Ricochet instead of 
to be honest, just a, a half-handed, really ridiculous way that they built that division. And is Escobar still the champ? That's the last that I remember. Yeah, I think he is. But yeah, okay. the, two, the 205 championship is really not that intriguing. Oh, I know everybody treats it as an afterthought, which is a shame because they had so much potential. You're right. But even if if you or he would have said, I want to go ahead and have higher realms, put him in an IC or, you know, he had the U.S. title for yeah. like a, a cup of coffee. Just think of the matches he could have had with Daniel Bryan, Mustafa Ali, and a lot of wrestlers that are right around his athletic ability and their size that you could have gone ahead and had those three and a half, four and a half star matches each and every time out. He could have provided that for you. I mean, okay, stop me if you ever heard this before. He was sensational in NXT, and it stopped right there once he got to the main <laughs> roster. There is a severe disconnect when a wrestler has so much momentum leaving NXT and you're not able to sustain that. Okay, some people would say it's the wrestler themselves. On a few occasions, it is the wrestler themselves. But then, for the most part, from what I'm seeing, it is the WWE, which is just has absolutely zero clue how to take these wrestlers, how to take that momentum, and build it from there. And, and look, it, it's happening still. I mean, yeah. Damian Priest, he's got all this momentum in NXT, and he's brought up, he does a couple of matches, now he's kind of the sidekick for Bad Bunny at WrestleMania. Yeah. Really? That's the best. Keith Lee, another fine example. You know, you what bring happened him to him? Up, yeah. I mean, they do an absolutely awful job right now of bringing people up from that division from NXT. And, you know, you mentioned something that I've been saying, and in, except for maybe three people I can think of, Brizongo and Finn Balor. Why hasn't more people gone down to NXT? Why yeah. not? I want to know, is it looked at as a demotion? You know, if you say, for an example, a Sheamus, why don't you go down for a couple of months and work with this new guy? All right, work with whomever. We'll book a little program with you, and then you could come back. You could come back to the main roster. Why is that not done? Is that looked at as failure in the eyes of the talent? That's what I would like to know. I think it is, but I also think that you have some talent in the NXT that are long overdue to come up, like Gargano, Gargano and Ciampa have been there forever in NXT. I'm not sure they want to go up to the main roster. I think it's an issue where they don't want to go up to the main roster. Unless they tell me differently, I think it's an issue where they want to stay there and feel like they're at or near the top of NXT because they don't want to become an afterthought in the main roster. I mean, that's something for me, but there is five to 10 wrestlers in the NXT who've been there and been wrestling over a year in NXT, which you say, you know what, give them a chance, shuffle it up, mix it up. If you let any one of these WWE personalities go, they're going to find work. It's not going to, they're not going to find work. They're going to find work in Japan. They're going to find work at AEW, ROH, Impact. They're going to find work. I mean, we've already seen it already with, like mm -hmm. you said, the revival with the Good Brothers, John Moxley. You've seen it with all these other individuals that they're able to go find fruitful work other places. Don't be afraid to mix it up and bring new talent in here. I mean, I would love to see Will Ospreay on this roster. Would love oh to my. see it because he, you know, how he would shake up with his attitude. Would love to see that. But again, it comes right down to it. You have to go ahead and and not be afraid to make change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you would think that you might get the urge to make that change right now as you're merging over to Peacock. Like what would be a better time than to introduce some new people, introduce yeah, some that, new, new, new athletes. Yeah. And you, it's not like you have to worry so much about the ratings like you did no. last week. You right. don't because of the fact you're, you're, you've got a billion dollars that's already set coming at you for the next five years from Peacock. 
go ahead and make these changes. Try some things and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 100%. Once again, it's John Orlando from the PVD cast. But before we head on out, my friend, you've got to go ahead and pitch what you're doing on your awesome program. Well, the PVD cast is available basically wherever you can find great quality podcasts. It's also available at my own website, pvdcast.com. It's my own personal podcast. It covers the things I'm passionate about, comics, pro wrestling, movies, hockey. This week, have a gentleman by the name of Bob Corby. Bob is a Columbus, Ohio resident. He's uh, been here his whole entire life. He is the man behind the Small Press and Alternative Comics Expo, also known as Space. And it's one of the biggest independent small press conventions in the United States. It's a great interview, great conversation that we have where we talk about the history of space, the present, and the future of it. Obviously, COVID impacted it. So check it out if you get the opportunity to. And there's plenty of other great conversations with some fabulous guests. Once again, that is the PBD cast. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, John, I want to thank so much being part of our countdown to WrestleMania. I'm hoping to hear more of you. The red carpet, it's still there, my friend. (laughs) I'm not going to drop any subjects right now to you because I know you're going to hit me up at any time on the DM. You are welcome back at any time to go ahead and talk pro wrestling or anything in pop culture because you are just an incredible interview each and every time. Thank you. I wish you continued success on your show, and I'm looking forward to bringing you back. Well, again. The DM's open. It's right there for you, my friend. So if you DM me, (laughs) you you are coming back. Absolutely. And you're always welcome right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much John Orlando from the PVD cast for stopping by with his thoughts on the most underrated wrestlers of the WWE and Noah Ian Fine on Godzilla vs. Kong and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Stay tuned this week because we're going to have more previews upcoming, including predictions on the two-night event coming up on the weekend, WWE's WrestleMania. So we'll go ahead and have more WrestleMania previews coming up later this week. And be sure to check out our Twitch page because our Twitch page, Facebook page, and YouTube page all are dropping great tabletop RPG action six days long. In fact, we're here on Facebook right now because they're on Twitch playing a great game right now. So Go ahead and catch some great tabletop RPG action on our Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by. But before we head on out, I got one thing to ask you. What's the deal with Square Enix's Outriders? So it's it's a Destiny-like game. If you watch the gameplay, it's, it's very reminiscent of Gears of War, right? Like you had the boxes to hide behind. You have the sprint modes, and you can switch between weapon types so yeah i mean like right now like people are enjoying it like from what i understand you know we chatted about this too a little bit the demo is not really anything like what the actual game is so that being said like i have a feeling that it's going to end up doing something like what final fantasy 14 did or uh 
um, Elder Scrolls Online, where like they're going to be taking notes, especially within the first couple months of release, and then they're going to be re-rolling certain things out as as time goes on. And what's good about this is like you know when Square says they're going to do something like they uh, this is a really bad example because they don't always do what they promise they're going to do, <laughs> but when they seem to like have faith in something like they are going to like go through with it right they have i mean at least they have a better track record than ea does like they're taking notes of all these changes they've actually been really supportive on all their support pages like i just saw something popped up because their servers were down and they were transparent they're like hey we don't really know what's going on we're trying to figure it out and then they tweeted something a few minutes later that said hey go ahead and jump back in there and, and mess things up and so brank from super bs he had mixed thoughts on this but it wasn't enough to like make him not want to play it anymore and you know knowing that this is on games pass it's something i might check out eventually too it's not just a multiplayer game it's got a single player aspect to it but is it something that you think you might be interested in trying i don't know i'm on the fence about it i think the reason why we are talking about it now and putting it on a higher profile than i think it would normally be because it was promoted somewhat by square enix but the outlets out there such as ign GameSpot, you know you name it they weren't giving it a true high profile until the last couple of weeks before its release because of the fact that there's not been many video game releases, period. I mean, the most high profile release of this year was Hitman 3, and it's been months really since any other name or big AAA outing has come even close to being released. And right now, when it concerns Outriders, I mean, you can't even consider Outriders a AAA game per se, but as a middle of the road, maybe double A or type games, a level game that maybe in a normal year for video game releases would get some buzz, but then would be pushed to the side. But I think it's to their advantage they're releasing this now, and there's so much anticipation for it within the last couple of weeks. That demo, even though it's not indicative of the final product, still has gotten people talking, and the fact that people are interested in it to this point that it crashed the servers and they've been having server issues. It just tells me that people are hungry for a new video game. It just tells me right now that people are really wanting to go ahead and check something out that's different, that's new, and they'll take anything that they can get. Yeah, I mean, we're in a kind of this barren wasteland of gaming right now. And, you know, I think we've talked about this on other episodes. Like, this is the year where we are truly feeling the effects of coronavirus on gaming because a lot of the stuff that came out last year was already like half done right before everyone started working from home but now we're trying starting to get like all these projects that were supposed to be rolling out this year might not make it you know there's already been a lot of delays and so outriders is kind of a big thing it's a big deal because it's a big game that is coming out in a time where there are no games and it's kind of like with balan wonderland right that was made by the, the guy who did sonic the hedgehog and normally a game like that much like ukulele or spiral the dragon would get some attention but it wouldn't get as much as it was getting otherwise right like putting a game out right now is like the equivalent of being like the new kid in school right everybody has your attention because there aren't a lot of new kids there well i can tell you right now this leads well for mass effect legendary edition if it comes out on time next month because a lot of eyes maybe normally that wouldn't be on it will be on it because there's just not a whole lot coming out in and around that time or basically nothing has come out really so far this year comparatively speaking so that bodes well for mass effect fans that it's going to get 
back into the spotlight and bode well for Bioware if that's the case, if it comes out on time, which I'm still not 100% convinced that it will. But if it does, it brings it out into a much higher spotlight. And that to me would be good for Bioware, especially if there's great thoughts on it, because that would lead more people into being more excited about a future Mass Effect going forward. Yeah. I'm hoping that that's the case. I'm hoping that, you know, this next journey into the Mass Effect universe, though it is a repeat of what's already happened, is big enough to, like, make people hungry for more Mass Effect after the uh, fiasco, I guess, that people saw as being Mass Effect Andromeda. And Anthem right after it. But yes. And Anthem, yeah. But yes, it is Outriders. Let's get back to that real quick and close that conversation out. Again, it is more of a third-person, over-the-shoulder shooter, similar in vein and in line to what we've seen already from Gears of War. It's uh, set on a futuristic planet to go ahead and try and protect and save whatever's left of humanity as they fend off against evil forces, of course. And it seems a lot like Horde mode in many ways. So if people enjoy the Horde mode aspect that Gears of War, I'm not going to say necessarily created, but really was one of the major developers out there of the horde mode aspect where waves of waves of bad guys come at you and you and a couple friends in this case two friends get to go ahead and fend off against those forces so i'm looking forward to seeing what outriders will do i'm still on the fence about it i'm more intrigued now about it simply because of the fact that there's not much available and i think that's to their advantage so i see square enix seeing this as a success and it actually was a very smart move for releasing this now. Again, like this is more of like a games as a service type game where like they're just going to keep adding things onto it as we go. That's like a season one or some kind of like big DLC packs. And this is something that if you're interested in this type of game, whether it's Destiny or, you know, you liked Anthem or whatever your jam might be in the third person shooter genre. This looks like it's something that probably can sustain you until we hear about what's going on with the holiday games you know if halo is still coming out or god of war or whatever it might be like this is something that that could have the potential to hold gamers over until the next big release hits stores well we'll see what happens but it is outriders gotten off to a little bit of a shaky start with some server issues but i'm sure in the next couple of weeks or so things are going to iron out for it but there is a lot more vested interest in this type of game a game that was not given the highest of profiles initially but because right now we're in a dearth of video game releases it's getting the high profile whether it likes it or not what are your thoughts out there on outriders please share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well, my friend it's been a great episode i cannot thank you enough for joining me plus also as well i was so glad and so thankful that you were part of last friday's awesome pc multiverse I know I've got Marcus expected to be in the big chair once again on Friday, but you're coming back this next Monday talking about, again, what we were going to say, your final thoughts on the Snyder Cut. Overall, we're going to go ahead and go into depth on the total response for it, evaluate it now that we've had a chance to breathe in the Snyder Cut. Plus, we're going to hear your thoughts on Falcon and Winter Soldier as well. But any last thoughts on the way out? So the, the guys from Lock On got their project fully funded. So good for go. them. if that's something you guys are interested in checking out, I would definitely check them out on Kickstarter, check out their websites. Uh, it's a very beautiful product. I'm excited to get my hands on the first volume. 
but yeah, I just want to say congratulations to those guys. And, you know, I'm excited for what they got going on in the future. I also want to say congratulations as well to Andrew Smith of from gamers magazine, because he came on the next week after your interview with the folks from lock on. And I just wanted to tell you his project, it got backed as well. So I'm really happy for that. Again, that's from gamers magazine. Andrew Smith is going to be running it. And I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to seeing all the stories because it was so close when we were last talking about it. And I want to thank you, the listeners, if you put it over the top, it's all because of you. But I'm so glad and so thankful both the folks at Lock On Magazine and From Gamer Magazine can go ahead now and bring back the world of video game magazines. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cletus Jacobs. Join us as we watch changes in the DC Universe unfold. We'll keep you informed on DC News, we'll review the future state event, and of course, we'll be talking the Arrowverse shows when they return this January. Thanks for letting us be a part of your DC Comics journey, and thanks for listening to the Earth Station DCU podcast. Part of the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.